Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dak Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go! Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! Hey, what's happening? This is T.C. Carson, and you are listening to ACMG's Talk Time Live. And this is Kratos. Keep listening. It's time for your Talk Time Live exclusive. You are now about to witness the strength of geek knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, making his fourth appearance to Talk Time Live is rapper, teacher, producer, Guinness World Record inductee, honorable member, I should say, of the New Day, Capcom ambassador, Billboard chart maker, and best of all, father. He is not only living that life, he is decided to write it in a memoir entitled Dream Master, a memoir from the stoop to the stage to the stars. We are here to talk about the book and everything going on around his latest chapter in life. So without further ado, let's welcome back Philly, Philly born Phoenix strong hip hop artist Mega Rand. What's going on, bro? Yo, what's up, man? That intro was amazing. Just <laughs> chef's kiss. Great job. Thank you. Ah. I, never, I never felt so important in my life. I like it. It always helps to like reflect on what you've done. And you sometimes forget when you go too far in the road. So. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm like, Oh yeah, I did do that. Oh yeah, I did. You know, <laughs> it's uh, it is good to look back. That's part of why I wrote the book. You know, it was mm-hmm. a lot of like, man, these moments are going to pass you by and, you know, write yeah. them down while you can still remember them, while you can yep. still, you know, appreciate them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's really what it was about for me. Absolutely. But before we even get to the memoir itself, which has been an awesome memoir, we're going to talk about that deeply. I want to congratulate you and your wife becoming parents recently and having a new member of the Jarbo family. I don't want to get too much into it because I know there's a lot to it, but you're in the early stages. Um, I'm surprised you're awake to even be here to talk about it. <laughs> so I want to ask, uh, what lessons have you learned so far? Because there's going to be tons of lessons for you to learn. Oh, yeah, there's tons. Uh, I think the most important one is like being selfless, you know, like not worrying about what you are particularly going through, especially yeah. when you have the needs of a child and, and the balance, you know, so mm-hmm. it don't matter whether you're tired, you're grouchy, you're cranky, you're angry, you're, you know, it doesn't matter. That kid it needs attention. And so yeah. you gotta, you gotta be there for them, you know, and that's been a huge thing for me. And it's helped me to structure my life a, bit, a lot better. I've been really bad at scheduling for my whole life. I just kind of do it. Like somebody tells me to be somewhere, I, I just be somewhere, but now I got to plan things in and ahead at time. I got to talk to my wife. I got to make sure it's cleared. And it, you know, that communication step, that extra step there. The is true something manager. That, <laughs> something that we've learned. Yeah. Like, so I think uh, I've definitely learned so many lessons, but I think the most important are this, that, you know, you got to, you got to set aside your own personal feelings, sometimes your personal sleep or, or, or hobbies in order to, to help someone else along. And, um, and I don't mind it, you know? Right. 
Now, it is a tiring but dope experience. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I I don't have a child of my own, but I did help, you know, raise my niece, you know, for a mm-hmm. time being. So I, I staying up in those late nights of two o'clock in the morning, walking back and forth, making sure we all balance it out so we can all still progress <laughs> in our lives in terms of going to school still and doing all the stuff. Yeah, I, I, I empathize with you on that. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm also... Yeah. I'm also extremely happy for you guys and to do what you're doing. It's just absolutely awesome. And uh, congratulations to both of you. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely. So since the last time you've been on the show, which was in 2020, like the, I think the mm-hmm. end of 2020, you were on the show and we were just reminiscing about 2020 and how we were surviving that. But you had a chance to write a memoir that chronicled your road from student to teacher to uh, the most unique rapper in the game right now. And, and for the last few years, what led to you writing this book? And you said it briefly, but, you know, what led to you truly saying, like, now it's time to uh, record and chronicle all this? Honestly, it was um, maybe a very long time ago when the idea first hit my brain. It was probably 10 years ago. I was on the tour with MC Chris. And um, Kate Murdoch and I are riding together city to city. And during these long rides, I'm telling them stories. Oh, did I ever tell you about the time that this happened? Oh, man, the time that I got robbed or the time that I did this and this happened. And he's like, dude, you got to write a book. Like, these mm-hmm. stories are so interesting. And I was like, ah, you know, everybody just says that, you know. But <laughs> but then he's like, seriously, man, you should start just jotting them down. And, and I did. So I started making little notes in my phone even way back then of like, uh, you know, just some bullet points on a lot of stories and a lot of things that I remembered and important moments. And um, before I knew it, I had a lot of material and I was like, one day when I get time, you know, I'm gonna put this stuff together. And then pandemic was like, you got time, bro. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yes. That's what happened. We got hit with a whole Panda Express and, uh, and it was just time to, it was time to do it. Like I didn't have anything else to do. So it was like, you know what? I'm going to write a chapter a week. I'm going to organize my thoughts and we're going to get it done. And by the time I finished, I was like, wow, I got a 200 page book here. And um, I hired an editor to read it. And she's like, it's, it's great. It's great. And I was like, uh, I don't really trust myself. So are you sure? And she's like, oh, no, this is great. Then I hired another editor just because I didn't. You know, I just was like, come on. Ain't no way. This is my first time writing a book. It's not perfect. Like, come on. Like, give me some real, real feedback. Like, tear me apart. And and so I hired another editor who gave me a lot of feedback as well. And I just used both of their, uh, you know, advice. You G-conduded it into what you have right now. Absolutely. And um, because it was going to be like part self-help, part like anecdotal stories, and then part like tips and tricks on how to like live your dream. Yeah. And then um, she's like, well, those are three different books, you know? And I was like, <laughs> oh, you're right. And she's like, think about the next book. And I was like, the next book, like, I, I'm just trying to get through one book, <laughs> and, you know? And she's just like, just keep, just keep thinking about the next book. So I thought, so she's like, you have to have an end point for this book. And I was like, all right. So the ending point will be a big moment that happens. So I was like, all right, the Guinness world record, that's a big moment. And uh, that happened in 2018. And uh, it's a great story leading up to it. So I was like, okay, that's the final chapter. Then everything else will go to the next book. Okay. <laughs> so that's what it was, you know? And so I had to edit myself down and be like, next book, next book. I'm glad you said that because I was looking for other elements of that. I know of your, um, your road mm-hmm. to be added in that wasn't added in. And I was like, okay, maybe there's something else coming. Cause right now, which is awesome too, because this book to me, was reminiscent like there's only one other book that this reminded me of in terms of 
um, chronicling your life and things around you at the time. And that was Chris Jericho's Lionheart book. Hmm. If you ever read that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great read. Awesome. It's an awesome read. And this one kind of gave me vibes of that. And I was just like, I went Hmm. through almost the same immersed journey reading this book as I did that book when it came out, like really detailed, really, you know, reminiscent on nostalgic, you know, things that have happened in his life that we can relate to and stuff like it was very, and I could, I'm sure I could speak for many who read this book and saying that like, this was, there were a lot of relatable experiences growing up, especially in your part of Philadelphia. Um, When I've read this, I was like, God, it's like, we just sitting in, in our, in my stoop right now talking about what we used to go through back in the day and really understanding what we went through, like whether it was fun times or bad times, it's like we could click. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that had that feeling. Like when I read it, it was a both a sigh of relief and a hug Hmm. in some points of it where like, you know, I'm hearing someone who understood, you know, what I've been going through and what, you know, growing up and experiencing still to this day, you know, let me tell you, it felt validating at best, so much so that I end up buying more copies of it. I brought one for my wife. My wow. parents-in-law also got one too, because I, you know, my parents-in-law are Caucasian. So they they're very willing and inviting, but they still have a lot to learn about mm-hmm. certain cultures and ideologies. This mm-hmm. book really doubled down on everything that I went <laughs> through, but some of the stuff that you were going through. So it's like wow. another aspect. There were some similarities, but then you went on your own road. And that's wow. what I felt. Thank your you, road, man. Yeah, your road basically it's st- when it started, it was like when you're driving on the road and it's a bunch of people driving on the same road, but then you go on this different road. And we're looking at you like, why is he going this road? What the hell is he thinking? Why everybody <laughs> safely wants to go through this road right here? And it's like, okay, let's see who meets at the end of this road and see how they fare. Where you fared, you took a risk and going to that road and you fared really well. You know, and others are just, you know, it's just like it's it's like they just settled on just going to the safe and narrow. And yeah, that's what I got out of this book. And I loved it because I felt like that's kind of the journey that I went to in a different, you know, in its core. I went I've experienced it, but we all went in our different roads and we had different experiences from there. And who made it out to do what at the end? And that's what I loved about this book. Thank you, man. Uh, there was a lot of books that were kind of like my blueprint to creating this, you know, yeah. the, the Jericho book for sure. Uh, Mick yeah. Foley's book as well. It's uh, extremely have a nice day or which one? Yeah. Have a nice day. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, it you was know, awesome. so it's extremely autobiographical, also like funny, also kind of, yes. you know, gut wrenching at times, you know, and mm-hmm. um, LL Cool J has a book that inspired me as well. I think I know what you're talking about. I've read that like ages ago. Yeah. I read it a long time ago. Yeah. I remember um, that book. Uh, yeah. So there's that. Um, who else? Uh, Trevor Noah's book more recently, yes. very inspiring to this to this story. And uh, so Michelle I'm glad Obama's I, I got book. you here because I feel like I'm having one of those Trin- uh, those Daily Show interviews right now with somebody who just came out with a book. <laughs> ah, nice, nice. Yeah, Trevor Noah is great, man. I love awesome. I love him. His comedy is awesome, and like his story is just incredible. Yeah, and um, and so and him and Michelle Obama actually was my, my wife has read that book. one. I haven't gotten to that one yet, but she I, she I, loves it. My wife was listening to it on audio book and, mm-hmm. uh, and I was like, maybe I walk in the room and hear it. And I was just like, yo, I remember that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I was just hearing things and being like, oh, wow. Like we had a lot of the same experiences. That's so, how it was with your book. That's exactly how it was with your book, especially when you're talking about like going to like Martin Luther King High and, or, you know, some of the experiences that you had. 
for some reason you had you didn't want to hang around Southwest Philly where I lived at, but that's a whole nah, other story. <laughs> I was scared of Southwest. You know, I I mean? know, you know it's funny. I didn't know <laughs> that Southwest had it like had that lore like that. Like to me, it was just that's where I lived. I used to live at 57th Street between Whoopi and Thomas up there. So I went we to like Long Street. I don't know, man. We used to hear a lot of stories about people well, getting beat up or shot. I, you know or, what? I, you I know? can tell you why. I can tell you why. And I probably shouldn't say this name because it's almost like as bad as saying Candyman in this case. But have you ever heard of the name Rudolph McGriff? Mm. No. Okay, you're a luck. Because that's <laughs> if you heard anything that was during in the 80s or maybe the slightly in the 90s, that name Rudolph possibly is the reason. That kid mm. was like, or dude now, he's like, he was like a bully, like one of oh. the main bullies. And he was so bad, like Bartram High, a load, uh, a gang of like not just five people, classroom amounts of people came down to Turner Middle School to come after this dude. And I remember wow. that day vividly because he just, we were all in the alleyway waiting to see this happen because everybody here before the internet, everybody was rumoring like that, you know, he was starting <laughs> trouble at Bartram High School wearing junior high and he's coming, they coming down to go after him. Like that's how, wow. and this dude had no flinch in him at all. He just stood there as this mob of high schoolers came down and it was like, what? It's going on. Yeah. But he was a major bully that ended up, I guess, achieving his goal by becoming Philadelphia's most wanted. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. You two okay. can reach your goals. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If I mean, you, you know, if you got if you any goals, any of those, any of those mythologies of Southwest Philly probably stem a lot from what mm. he was doing. Okay. Then. Okay. So he was the reason. But yeah, man, we just heard so many stories and it seems so far. Like, you know, Philadelphia. Yeah. And like, from one end to the other just seems so far. It's like how we were with North Philly too back then. Yeah, like that 90s. was another world. Like, you yeah. know, it was, even for me, North Philly was only 15, 20 minutes, but we was like, ah, oh, man, we're not going to North Philly. It's just, <laughs> you know, like it's, it just seemed like a lot of effort, even though you can just get right on the train, right, like right. five stops on the sub and you there. But like, it just felt like another world. And I'm sure it's like that in New York with the boroughs and stuff too. Yeah. Like we just felt like South Philly is the- South Philly the, too, like Ninth Street. You know, yeah, we felt like South Philly is the bad, the badlands, the dark darkness out in the, in the Lion King, <laughs> where it's like, you you must never go there, you know? Because it was just so far. So mm -hmm. I, I think we were just afraid of what we didn't know. And right. that's really what it was. You fear what I you remember, don't understand, right? Exactly. Yeah, because being like after high school, we were like, yo, you know where we going to go? We going to South Street. You know what I'm saying? And it was like a big deal. Now we're Switzerland. Yeah, like we were all like, we going to South Street. Like, yo, for real, you go to South Street? What? You know, like it was such a big moment to be able to say, we're going down to South Philly. I, and, I miss um, old South Street too, bro. Like, um, yeah. I used because I used to work down at uh, South Street, like in, two, in 99 and 2000. Mm. Um, there was an art store down there called Pearl Arts and Craft. And I used to work there. I used to uh, be the supervisor in that spot. Wow. Which is right across from like Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia which was in Philadelphia. Yes. Wow. Do you remember Pearl of Africa? Yes, there was, it was this little head shop. Uh, and, tenth. and that's where I first started rhyming at. Which I read like, in the book. In the and book. I was like, yeah. I was flipping out like, Yo, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, they had an upstairs and they used to do an open mic. And like, that's yep. the first place I started like spitting my little raps. You mentioned and that in the book. That was one of the things like, oh, that's dope. I had no idea. You were probably around there during the times when I was at the... Uh, was that because you know the, the mm -hmm. game store and the comic book store was down there too? Like, got mm -hmm. game and all the stuff was down there too. Yep, which yeah, was I like a block away from up. Pearl of Africa. Yep, dang man, that's so crazy. But at that <laughs> time, it's funny, I was a different I was a different person. I wasn't into video games, believe mm -hmm. it or not. Like, I, I think I talk about that a little, little bit in the book too. Like, yeah. when I graduated, I don't know why, I just thought 
games is over. Like it's time for me to be a man. Like it ain't no time for video games. I got to pay these bills. So right. like instantly I even left, I think either was a Genesis or a super Nintendo yeah. in storage at Penn state. Wow. Like I was just like, I got to leave this stuff behind. Like, I don't know why I thought that, but I was just so afraid of the real world that I was right. like, I'm, I'm not going to have any time to play games. It was and the so, times. It was the ideology of the times. I mean, they, they made it, they almost got us. They made us think that, you know, video games wasn't going to be, you know, yeah. beneficial to us now. And look at it. Look at how everything is going. <laughs> right. Look at it now. They always come back. But yeah, like I took like a good two years off when I was first starting to teach because I just thought I was going to have too much to, you know, too much of a load. And it was it was very stressful, like trying to learn how to be a good teacher and things like that. So I was like, man, there's no time for games. And so back then, games, comic books, all that stuff was out of my mind. Mm. Like I had sat it down for two years. I traded all my stuff away. I, you know, lent people's whole stuff and oh. never got it back. And um, yeah, and I didn't get back into, you know, Xbox, I guess, you know. Wow. And uh, so, yeah, it took me a minute to kind of get back into the, into gaming. And then um, I made up for, I'm making up for lost time even now. <laughs> oh, you've done so. And then some, okay. <laughs> but another thing that I dug about the book that I thought you talk about like educating and, and, you know, bringing awareness of was that you did a lot of historical research in the book that talked about the events in Philly during the eighties and the nineties. I mean, like really, really historical elements in Philly, like involving Mary Good, the move project, you know, stuff like that, like up in Osage and all that. I was amazed to see that. And I thought that was an absolute awesome element that you brought in there. How long did it take you to research all that uh, information and gather it? And that took months, you know, there were days I would just kind of separate my days and be like, okay, on these days, I'm going to write the personal narrative moments. And on these days, I'm going to research and find the the history of a lot of things, because even when I was living these moments, like I didn't know what was going on. I turned on the TV when move happened, you know, and I didn't know why, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I was about the age too. Like, yeah, that was 85. So like, yeah, yeah, I'm not even crazy story. I, you know, I used to remember, I used to live in Southwest. So cops Creek is right up there Mm -hmm. and mayor good, who was the person responsible for that whole entire thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he did a he did a little rally or something over there. And I thought, you know, back then it's the 80s. So we think everybody who we see on TV is like a big deal celebrity. Yeah. And he walks up to me and pats me on the head. So it was like his little like his little save face moment, not knowing oh, wow. what he would do later on. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's so crazy. And yeah, yeah, and then before that, <laughs> we just thought and before that, like Wilson Good was a folk hero. Like he was, you know, what I'm saying yeah. it was the black mayors, black man in charge. Oh, that's it's great. The, you know, exactly. Like we just, yeah, he was a hero. And then we're like, wait a minute. He, he made that call. Like, wow. So for people who don't know, like, yeah, he like dropped a, a bomb on a group of people who were, you know, just living their lives, you know, minding their business, you know, maybe refusing yeah. to operate through a little, uh, our societal, you know, rules and norms, but, but like, in in order to because he couldn't get them to leave or to whatever he thought they were endangering people or children or whatever was going yeah. on and then uh he literally like ordered a helicopter to just drop a bomb on a block and, and blow up an entire city block and so, when i when i read that 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 vision that that footage still imprints in my head 
to this yeah. day when I used to watch it on like uh, action news and all this stuff. And it's still, I can visualize it right mm-hmm. now. It's just yeah. the crazy thing. some moments that I can, I can still see and as you're, you're my age. So we can relate on it like yeah. that. And like the challenger explosion, yes. you know what I'm saying? Like that being like everybody that they were, everybody, they yeah. was talking about it so much. Everybody, they let us come, they let us come home early to watch it or something like that. Or we came home from school and everybody's we're watching just it. Collect our thoughts basically. And it was just like, yo, that's it. You know, like we were just like, I can't believe this, you know, like yeah. very traumatic stuff happened, you know, through the eighties, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Eighties were, were a time, you know, it to really look was. back on. So it was, it was good for me to be able to look back on those moments, good and bad and kind of give some background, you know what I mean? Because like me and you, we know it, but I was like, I got to go and do the historical research so that people who don't know, who aren't, weren't in Philly at that time can understand what made Philly what yes. it was, you know what I'm saying? Which is plainly the reason why I end up buying the other copies and giving it because I like, yeah. you know, let me, let me tell you, they live in like Lancaster area, Mannheim, PA. So mm-hmm. that's a county region that like only it's like they're in this bubble. And I come in there like the proverbial ambassador. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like I represent Philly and the culture for some reason. And right. been a little bit, they come out is like, all right, you really got to understand what I've been through to know, understand what I'm doing now. And your book helps that by not only chronicling what you went through in your experience, but also what went on during that time. So you get a, nice. you do, it creates this visual, you know, narrative of understanding that I, it, I found it very helpful. <laughs> so thank you for that. <laughs> nice. Thank you, man. You're like the, uh, the tour guide, you know, into this life. And now and, I have uh, an instruction booklet. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. So as a shameless plug, I did a, I did an audio book and it like literally it took forever to do, but only because you wind up hating the sound of your own voice when you're reading for 15 hours. Yeah. But like, you know, there's so much of like, oh man, this is, uh, then you start realizing maybe there's things I can add because mm-hmm. I'm at a moment where now it's all kind of customizable. So yeah. I added two new chapters. I, and, uh, and I loved them. And I brought the audible one shortly after, cause I'm like reading it is one thing. Now I get to hear his voice and do imita- all these like imitations. Here, and Yeah. Like that was the fun part for me is like actually taking people into those moments. And like, it was such a huge moment that I didn't get to discuss because the book came up before it is my father passing. Right. And, you know, and so I was like, I had never talked about it. I didn't write a song about it. I didn't do anything besides like an Instagram post, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, I have to, give this the attention it needs, you know, even just, you know, therapeutically, like I have to get this off of my, my, my chest and my body. And so that's where that came in handy is that I was in the process of still recording the, the, the book. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to make a final, make a final chapter about my dad. And, um, and kind of just to, to, to give me the full closure I needed, you know, and, um, and that was super important to me. So I hope that people do get to, to read it. And, I think uh, it was not only super important to you, but I think everybody, I guess myself included, who had, you know, situations with their father, especially during those eras, because that was seemed to be, you know, 80s was also the Rolling Stone era <laughs> for pops. Yep. And my pop was no different from that situation as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think to that measure, uh, it really helped out therapeutically for others to hear that you also went through that, too. Yeah, I thought it was an awesome sure. addition to that. Thank you. Thank you. I, I tell you I, what I, else was awesome too. Your imitation of Cedric the Entertainer. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. Oh, this, this, was awesome. this, this is the bomb show. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> and like that, that was fun. I, I was always really 
too good at imitations when I was young growing up <laughs> and I would just impersonate adults a lot and get in trouble mm-hmm. for it. <laughs> so like now I can do it and not get in trouble, which feels right. good. But yeah, I used to just be like, Hey, stop mocking me, boy. I'm like, oh, stop mocking me, boy. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was my thing back in the day. <laughs> also like the fact that you talked about you being a class clown, but you did it in a means of defense as well, because I think that's, we, we had similar, but different, high school experiences. Like we, I think we both were class clowns under different circumstances. Like I went to Brooke. Okay. So my, you know, my situation, like Brooke used to be known as like two things. It was like the, a big fashion show because everybody went to Reading and you know, like got the Tommy Hill figures and, and the Nauticas and all the stuff just to try mm-hmm. to be the most impressive person. They had like a best dress, you know, contest every year. It was yeah. on that note. But then you also, you had to kind of, you know, from a mentally point, you had to learn how to roast or, or what we say in Philly, busting on somebody. <laughs> you had to really like be, it was like a sport in, in Brooke. And you had to be like, because <laughs> they would get you, man. And it was like between that or you had to learn how to defend yourself on the other hand. So I was a little bit of both. And, you know, whereas I think you did it in a way where you were more passive aggressive with it. I did it in a way it was like, it led me to getting into some major trouble <laughs> mm-hmm. in a case too. So I really appreciated hearing that part, but like, wish I would have went your direction. Because <laughs> <laughs> my direction let me not, you probably stayed in like, um, in, in Martin Luther King high for like all four years. I ended up going to mm-hmm. Brooke, getting kicked out of Brooke, going to Cato, getting, uh, getting out of Cato after I got myself together, going to West Philly high and then end up in a uh, school called Philadelphia regional. Wow. Oh, also, while also take note, I got left back in ninth grade. And then also at that point, I worked my butt off to get back in the same grade and still graduate in the fourth year because (laughs) it was like it was here. It was Glenn Mills from here. So I got to get myself together. I got. Yes. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't go that far. Like I was (laughs) I was scared to go that far. You know what I mean? Like I was I was the class clown who would cut up, but I knew the line and I I tiptoe up. Your line was your mom. Yeah, because I knew like if my mom come up here or she find out what I'm doing, she's going to kill me. So right. I, I had the fear of God from her. So that kept me in line. Like I would just do silly, you know, silly stuff. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want her to come up there and, and you got your limits. Like, whereas like I just yeah. didn't. It's like I really did not. <laughs> yeah, I was in onyx mode all the time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but let's talk about something else that was awesome about the both the um, the uh, written. And the audio version was that you had His Highness himself, WWE superstar King Xavier Woods on to do the forward for you. Um, you two have been friends <laughs> for quite some time. Uh, I automatically call you an honorary member of the New Day. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. And it was awesome that, you know, he talked about your introduction, his introduction uh, of you in there. Um, what were your thoughts when you read uh, his uh, forward and hearing it as well in the audible version? Man, like hearing it was one thing, but read, I think reading it, um, he said it to me and uh, it really like took me aback. I was just like, wow, like I had some idea about how we met. And I think people ask us a lot, like, hey, how'd you guys run into each other? Mm-hmm. And like, it just showed me the power of the internet, you know, like just me putting out these silly rap songs mm-hmm. and then someone in a whole different world and a whole different way of life sees these songs, enjoys them and has the same story and the same relation to these things that I did. So 
it was just really dope. Like we, um, his birthday is the day after mine. Like it it just turned out that we were like very, very (laughs) close on a lot of things. And I was just like, dude, this is like nuts. And, uh, but reading it, I was just like, man, like this is, this is, this showing me a little bit of how inspirational, uh, you can be, even when you don't know it, like when you don't know anybody's looking, you know, I think that's what, um, what it showed me is like, man, when you think nobody's watching, I think that's when you got to go harder because you never know who's listening, who's watching. Agreed. Well said. Yeah. So (laughs) that was extremely, that was, that was my, the biggest takeaway from that. I was like, man, you just never know, you know? And so you got to just go hard. Well said. I I totally, uh, 100% agree with that. And I've done that in my own experience as well. Yeah. I mean, I think part of the reason why we've met was because of that aspect as well too. And, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody I've had to, honor of being uh being on the show and ever working with or collaborating with on some cases too so um it's the reason why i'm really happy that i get to hear your voice every time on my show (laughs) (laughs) i'm honored (laughs) (laughs) so in the book you talk about some of the places that you worked at and i told you when i texted you i was like are we gonna talk (laughs) because i lit up because of uh, you know, I've worked in some of those same places and had those some similar experiences. So I want to break down like two of them in particular. I don't want to see whether you went through the same things or not. To Boston Market, let's start with that. Oh, boy. did you work? Did you work in the back or were you working register? I was in the back. They didn't. That I wasn't pretty enough to be up front. So so they threw me in the they back. They did the same thing in um in uh in I used to work at um New Times Square one, the branch up there. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, we was. I was in Glenside. Um, mm-hmm. Oh wow! That's my wife uh, was all up there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, that was like you know, I I liked I liked eating Boston Market, so I was like, all right, well, how bad could this be? And then they take you in the back, and you're like, oh, here's how the sausage gets made, and then you're like, uh, man, uh. and so yeah, like I said, I had to mess with the the, the spits that the rotisseries were on and take it into them cold ass freezers. Take them in the freezers. I had at the end of the night, I had to take the power hose to them to, to get the chicken get guts the, off. Yes. Oh, oh my God. It was just like yeah, trying to get them dude, off. There. I'm there with you. Oh God. It was just disgusting work. You know, Wait, really how, how my question uh, in addition to that is like, how big was the working area? Because mine's was kind of mm-hmm. tight. Where's not like, big at all. It's like about the size of my room here. Oh, that's and, even bigger. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, and, the, the and most kitchen. of it was a sink. Most of it was like the utility sink. Yes. You know, and so the floor was always wet, slippery. Like it was just Soapy. disgusting back there. Dude, yeah, like something, I would never like some things should that, be near other things. Nah, yeah, like if you saw that, they should let the customers take a peek back there. Like they would never eat there. Like any any restaurant, especially fast food, they should let you peek in or let you walk through before you order. And then, <laughs> then you're like, uh, never mind. The one thing I've always wanted to take away from that place in terms of like what I wanted to eat there, Popeyes. And mm. the cookies because they were already wrapped and the Popeyes were already done. <laughs> Everything nice. else was like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> All right. So the other one was one of my, my kind of my nearest and dearest because it's one of one of the more like when I worked retail, it was one of the longer, you know, jobs that I worked in retail before I went to corporate was CVS. Mm. Okay. CVS was a very interesting place because and I worked at the one in 19th and um, Chestnut, which okay. was like the it was like the headquarters to train all the, you know, all the managers, just all the branches. Mm-hmm. But it was very interesting to say the least, especially in 98, because we got away with some things that we probably wouldn't get away with today. So <laughs> did, were you uh, also working register or were you uh, doing stock as well or both? 
I did a little bit of both. Yeah. Mostly register though. I was up front a lot doing. So you uh, never did the Wednesday, Sunday uh, stock unless it was like I, a bigger, I, bigger thing. Yeah. If it was a big, big rush, like we had to all come in for, but um, I didn't do a lot of stock. Yeah. Okay. You lucked <laughs> out. Like, like, yeah. no, reg- no, that's not true. Cause the register can be like, <laughs> you know, dealing with people on the, behind the register can be, uh, it can be stressful. <laughs> yeah working those trucks can sometimes be relieving because you're you don't have to deal with like and remember 19th and market mm-hmm. there was a bunch of retirement homes so we had a bunch of entitled old people oh. <laughs> and there's oh. that we had to like you know do customer service for yeah i think i can see now like being doing stock is much better in a lot of ways where you don't have to deal with people yeah. like i see people in like walmart and stuff doing stock and they'd be like headphones on just working you know like mm-hmm. you ain't got to talk to nobody just like, zone get, them in, out. get in your get in your zone and just make just do the work right. and so that's where i wish i could do you know but on the register nah not at all and everybody mad everybody want a discount everybody oh this can't this <laughs> wrong up wrong Give me a rain check. Oh, I got a coupon <laughs> for this. I need this. I'm like, oh, come on. And uh, it was rough, man. It really yeah. was. <laughs> now, um, I'm sure you know this this little technique. Eyes, highs, and help. Mm, yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. These are like bad memories. I mean, not bad memories, but just, you know, traumatic. <laughs> this is like a great callback <laughs> to, that, that, to my If anything, that's a trigger life. moment. That will be it. <laughs> yeah, for real. Oh my gosh. I remember so many meetings, them talking about that. <laughs> but did you ever have to experience a situation where you had to, like, you were, you saw somebody that was suspect pretty much? No, we were lucky. We had a, we had a greeter, a quote unquote greeter in the front Who of our the store. would have to also do that as well. Who was mainly like, his job was just to eye everybody and make sure things was on up and up. So if we didn't catch anything, like he always did, even and the day. The was also like, I'm giving away a bunch of black secrets. Oh yeah. Right he's now. giving away trade secrets. So the managers are behind like a two way mirror, exactly. you know, and they can see everything too. So like it's, um, but yeah, man, this dude, Nate, he was such a, he was a G because he had his little sunglasses on and talked to everybody, <laughs> old ladies to everybody. Hey, how you doing? Beautiful. Hey, hey. But like, he's watching everything. And so mm-hmm. even on the day, our faithful day, when our store got like robbed and yeah. I, I robbed at gunpoint, he yeah. was the one who was able to perfectly like point out the descriptions of everybody yeah. because he was just so on point. Like yeah. even in the midst of a, like a traumatic situation, like, I don't remember anything. It was a blur to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what they look like, what they're wearing. I don't like things happen so fast. I'm not thinking about that. Right. But right. Like, but he was so on point, man. And uh, he, he really like helped out big time. Now we didn't have the gunpoint. We never had a gunpoint situation, at least not at the daytime. Cause it was, it, um, the one in 19th was 24 hours. So mm-hmm. there, there were, I'm pretty sure there were some uh, nighttime robberies and all this stuff because there was nobody in there. At the time, mm-hmm. but the daytime, dude, and think, take note, we're, we're teens too. So we're doing stupid stuff. We don't know better. We we were like cops <laughs> in our spot because like we would chase <laughs> down the people who stole like $100 worth of a leave or something like that. Like doing <laughs> the stupidest things we probably shouldn't be doing. And we were allowed to do it because the deal is like we had to do it in, a, in, in defense of things. So the cops would okay it if we done mm-hmm. if done right. And then we would wow. call the cops to come in afterwards, but we get a few minutes depending on the situation. Like these guys is like, okay, as long as he, you know, we catch him, he does right. He's cool. He's fine. But if he swings, 
it's over. Yep. <laughs> and we had some, we took, there was a lot of sneaks that were being taken out of off of people. And there was a lot of things that were happening that probably in today's standards would be like, yo, <laughs> uh, like that was excessive. I don't know. You know, <laughs> and we, I've, I've, look, I've even gone as far as to like chase somebody from down to market street to no, what was it to uh chestnut street all the way to JFK. Wow. And then, you know, in my head, it's like, I got like beastie boy sabotage in my head. So <laughs> <laughs> we had some crazy moments, man, but CVS is a, it was a memory. It was an interesting memory in my retail life. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I had a, we had an interesting time there too. Like my, um, my manager, he was cool, but he was mm. always trying to like flirt with every girl. They oh, hired. He, that, he, is that dude. he was that guy, you know, uh. it was like, Oh, he all up in every girl's face. And I'm like, come on, dude. And like, never, I'm like, meanwhile, Hey, I need help. You know? And he's over here doing, um, he trying to do his own thing, but <laughs> <sighs> what a time. Like, and it was so close to my house, which I loved. Like I was able oh, to, it was walk. awesome. So for once, like I had a job where I could just walk to there mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, man, that was, it was, you know, it was fun. The most fun that I don't necessarily need to do again. <laughs> well said, absolutely well said. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do you have a personal favorite chapter that you have on a book overall? Um, I guess I'm kind of biased toward the newer chapters because, mm-hmm. because the other ones I've literally, some of them I've had since 2015, you know what I mean? Like in my head, or I've been reading over them for so long. Um, I really like telling the high school stories because high school is a real big part of, of me and what I was growing up doing. Um, so I like telling those stories. Um, I also like the chapter about my wife and meeting her. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think that was, uh, you know, a real cool story to kind of break it up. I feel like Somebody did an interview with me over a newspaper and they were like, Mega Rand touches on tragedy in his memoir. And I was like, well, dang, it's not all about tragedy. You try. Yeah, he thirst trapping. You know what I mean? He went he went a little heavy on the, you know, tragedy. And I was like, well, okay, it does start with a tragic moment. And I guess it ends with, you know, a sad moment, you know, but. But it's that not, not the whole focus. Yeah, like that's not the whole journey. Like, and, you know, and, and there's there's some there's some positive moments. There's some and, no, triumphs. There's a hell of a lot of positive moments. And he singled <laughs> you out to make it seem like you were you're like. Yeah, they're like, like I'm out here like trauma beating. Like, look at look at this. Look at this black man. Look what he's been through. It's been so rough, you know, and it's like, well, it's Word rough. <laughs> but at the same time, like, you know, I really love there's this TV show called Southside. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, it's based I just in watched Chicago the new season, uh, on HBO Max, and it's so good. Love it, and and I love that when they when they talk to those guys who created it. I think yeah. I saw an interview on like Fallon or something. Yeah, and they were like, "Yeah, man, we're from the hood. We've lived mm-hmm. in the hood. We love the hood. The hood is dangerous. It is all that stuff. It's scary. But there's some funny mugs out here too. Yeah." You know what I'm saying? Like every day we're laughing. Like we're not just ducking bullets and scared and crying right. every day. Like we're, we're living life and loving it and it's having them blast. Done. And so, and you see that you really see that in the show. It's so, Almost to the so point, well It really done. does feel like there's a part, there's a portion of that show that really feels like you don't realize it. You realize that you watch like you're watching the show. It, mm-hmm. it just, just feels real that you, you recognize and, and you probably would see around the way. Exactly. That's the most relatable show I've watched in probably a long time where yeah. I was just like, yeah, everybody got like the funny dude. That's, that's just in the spot with us and just makes everybody laugh mm-hmm. or he's really silly, you know? And I love that these, these are complex characters. The yeah. one dude is like a nerd, you know, into like science heavy, you know, <laughs> but like, you know, but they're also the cops, taking the time. The cops to, are my favorites. 
the cops are ridiculous. So I love that <laughs> about this show. It's like, and they're all complex people. Like yeah. it ain't just, you know, it ain't just one type of person. You're like, oh, this is the gangster and he's just gangster. Like, no, nah, man, people are just funny and they're living life and surviving and yeah. making the best of it, you know? And so I want to mostly people that. that look like us in, mm-hmm. in, in, in all different aspects. Yeah. And like, how difficult is it to show, to have a show? And I remember a lot of like TV, the blacks who write in TV saying it like, yeah. why can't we just have a show where they're just regular ass black folks? You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to be a thug. You don't have to be a gangster. You don't have to be this or that. Like, why can't we just like you do shows about regular mediocre white folks all the time? You know, like, why can't we do that with, with people of color? I give another show that if you haven't watched it already, Grand Crew, which is on NBC. Yeah. That's uh, great. Nicole Byers is one of my favorite comedians right now. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. Killing it. Like she's on air. She's working mm-hmm. with Cena. She's like her own comedy. Sh- like mm-hmm. her. Um, I forgot my man from who used to be on Arrows, Mr. Terrific. He's on there too. And just a oh, whole yeah. squad of awesome, like just the cast is awesome. But they're also like in a perspective, in a, in a much better perspective than we are used to seeing, you know, Mm-hmm. Anybody like us in there. And I love shows. I'm, I'm supporting shows like this. Well, you got to <laughs> watch if you haven't yet. Abbott Elementary. Oh, no. Oh, dude, my God. I'm, I'm about to say you have to. It's Philly. Dude, it's the Philadelphia you know school saying? system. Are you like, kidding me? <laughs> you have to watch that. Like that show. Talk about triggering. I was like, uh, this is funny, but it's not really funny because I went through this. Like there's I'm a lot like, of that. The, the first day I saw it and I because I, I, I didn't see it like um, as it aired, but I watched it on Hulu because I'm like, I lost all the trailers and its commercials. And I'm like, I got to give this a chance. There's something about this. It looks I, even before I knew that it was covering the Philadelphia mm. school system. And then I saw um uh, they're, they're watching action news. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> right, right. You're like, wait a minute, it's Jim Gardner. Like, Jim what you Gardner. mean? I'm like, oh my god, is this the Philadelphia school system? I, I was crazy. like, I was like, dang, how did they even allow them to do this? Like, I feel like to me, this is the stuff that I like write about in my diary that like right. I would never talk about. <laughs> right. But like, I'd be like, man, I ain't, you ain't gonna be allowed back in the schools after they this. They about to put them on but, blast. <laughs> but yeah, like it's so real. I was like, man, they talk about South Philly people parking in the middle of the street. Yes. Like, like yo, there's the just so from much. South Philly is awesome. Yeah, she's great. She's great. That (laughs) show is brilliant. So seeing us in different lights is basically what I wanted to get at. And that's like, man, like that was the hardest part about this isn't really this isn't a question you asked, but it's definitely an experience that I've had when I when I put out this book, when I wrote this book, my my friends like kind of inspired me to reach out to try to get like publishing help. Right. You know, maybe talk to some publishers about it. And that was like the worst experience ever because publishers are like, all right, yo especially at that time, you know, this is early 2021, right. You know, and, um, and they're like, Oh, black trauma. Okay. This is, this is, this, this is, is it. juicy. This is, something. you know what I'm saying? It's juicy. Let's go George Floyd. Let's go. You know what I mean? And I'm like, yo, really? And they're like, well, you know, that stuff is in right now. So if you really, if you can see like it, sex sells. Yeah. If you can skew it that way, then we can get this published. And I'm like, nah, man, like that's not my story. That, like he's trying to, he's trying to change your, your narrative. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I People, really, I really dig that his audacity. I, I couldn't. Yeah, I was like, this is this feels disgusting. Like, I'm a, I'm gonna do it myself. Like, I've talked to so many people, and they're like, well, you gotta, you gotta categorize your book. Is it a book mm-hmm. about video games? Is it a book about music? Is it a book about a coming of age story in Black America? Is it, you know, like what they're trying is to it? fit you? They're trying to confine you to a certain target audience and a certain yeah. Theme. And I'm, I get it. I've had that have, that story my my talk my whole life with music too. It's like, oh, well, what do you know? Are you yes. a hip hop guy, the nerd guy, and it's like. Right. Why can't you do both? And that's where these shows show me like we can be both. We can be multi multi layered people. Thank you. 
And it's only us that they now nah, I don't want to say only us, but it is definitely it us is that a I lot feel of like us. <laughs> they try to squeeze us into a box. Like, no, are you the are you the thugged out black dude? Or are you the Afrocentric black dude? Are you right. the, you know, it's like, why can't I be the all black dude? You know, just just a guy who's well-rounded. And I, I, yeah. I tell you this, like the same the same rules apply for graphic design. Like when I, you know, went to school for that. Um they tell you, and a lot of people tell you, and I have, you know, people who were like, help me out, tell me like, you got to get targeted to one direct target audience of people that you want to, you know, work for. Do you want to work for small businesses? Do you want to work for, you know, people in the entertainment world? Do you want to work for, um, you know, established, you know, sophisticated environment? Like, why not all of it? If I can comprehend every single, mm-hmm. why not you know, um, every single understanding of everything that's going on, why can't I do it? And I do. That's I've been doing it for the age. Like I work entertainment, I work business as well. Um, there's a there's a uh, the guy, uh, legendary graphic designer. In fact, they call him the father of graphic design, named Paul Rand. This dude has basically done everything. He created the UPS uh, logo. He created the wow. Uh, oh yeah, he created um, a bunch of different logos. Uh, the Efron logo, I believe. Um, he's done a ton of like a lot of legendary logo designs that you probably seen from businesses to this day, he's done. And he's also worked in magazines and he's done, you know, spreads and all this stuff. He's done a ton of like, why can't I do that? Like, why can't I be mm-hmm. the every person? Why can't I just branch out? Like, I don't have to be named yay in order to be mm-hmm. like, to, to be that ambitious and branch out. Like, don't, don't, don't limit mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly. It's so true. I got it. Why do we have to be so limited? It, it makes me sad. And I, like I said, I don't want to jump on this soapbox like, oh, it's only us. This is black folks. And, and like, I'm sure marginalized people, people of color get get this treatment a lot yeah. where it's like, oh, OK, you got to be the the funny black dude, or the funny Asian or the, the smart this or that. You know what I'm saying? And it's like it's really annoying. So that's why I like to see I'm loving to see I'm loving what I'm seeing out here now where black folk are able to be who they are, you know, which is multi-layered, complex humans. You know what I'm saying? And that's really all we want to be. We just want to be humans. Q-Tip said it best. You know, you could be a black man and lose all your soul. You could be right for real, but don't prep the role. You know what I'm (laughs) saying? Like you can evolve, you can assimilate, you know, you have the right, like, but still in your core, be who you are. Mm -hmm. But it'd be able to, like, we need to change our whole entire, like way we think our ideology and all that stuff, man. I I hope to be alive to see that someday. Or if best our next generation really make it happen. For sure. So you already talked about like you kind of gave, you know, a hint off that you were doing because you've done a hell of a lot with your you know career thus far. And um, so it's safe to say that you will be working on a second book. Um, was it anything that you wanted to add on to this one that you didn't and you may be holding it off in this case? Oh, yeah, plenty. I had so many things that I wanted to say and I was just like, nah, I'm going to save it. Mm-hmm. Um I've had whole chapters where I've had to list like Exum and been like, nope, oh. like I'll save this for later. You know, mm. I'll get to them. I promise I will. But <laughs> there's so many things. And there's stories that I told that I thought were maybe kind of mean. <laughs> and I hadn't necessarily talked to the person that, you know, that was involved in them. So mm. I was like, all right, I can't be out here 
dry snitching. You know what I'm saying? So there was a big part of that too, where I was like, all right, man, I don't want to, I don't want to make this person look weird. Or maybe I'm just remembering this wrong. So if I don't, if I don't get to speak to a person about it, I'm like, nah, I better not say it. You know what I'm saying? So that was, um, that's part of the reasons why I've taken some things out, but um, a lot of those things will, will they'll return in the, in the sequel. So uh, I don't know. I don't know when, you know, I'm just kind of at a point where I'm, I'm taking a, taking a moment, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, I'm kind of going to not rest of my laurels, but just kind of relax a bit and enjoy what we've been able to create. But, uh, but there will be another book and there'll be different formats. Like, I think I want to do like a self-help book. I want to do mm-hmm. like tips and tricks on living the dream. I want to do uh you know, maybe a children's book. I want to do some, some a children's uh, book would be awesome. Yeah, I want to do some fiction. You know, like so. I want to, I want to have some fun with with different genres as well. So that's going to happen. Hey, um, but are you actually going to do a continuation of a memoir, like a sequel to that as well? Because I mean, I was looking, I was surprised not to see your um your Madison Square Garden nod on that. Oh yeah, because that happened so, in 2019, so that was the year after. Right. So, so okay, so that is the cutoff. Yeah, the cutoff was 2018. And so I couldn't talk about anything after that. So okay. that stuff is the next book. And, but I, you know, at this rate, I may have to wait 10 years to write the next book, like <laughs> the next memoir, because, you know, I, but I mean, there's been a lot of dope stuff that's happened to be honest between 2018 and now yeah. that I think would make a great book. You know, that's when I started mm-hmm. really working with WWE. There's been all, all kinds of cool stuff, but, uh, but yeah, that'll be in the sequel which is happening TBD that is to be <laughs> determined. Uh, but yes, Mass Square Garden, all that. Like, yeah, it's too, it's too new to me anyway. Yeah. I was like, it's well, a little no, too it new. Is. I mean, like you only, you just came out with it. What? Like uh 2021. Yeah. And then so it's, Audible it's, like just recently came out. So it's still fresh. Yeah. It's still fresh. Like, I don't want to be like, yo, and yesterday I did this, you know, it's like music though. I feel like you can be very like new and current. So right. there is a lot of reference to the Madison Square Garden on the Live 95 album, you know, Which like. I'm glad you segued that in. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because like speaking of that, you recently, you know, made it back in with this billboard making charts. Congratulations to you on that. Thank you. Thank and you. And with the latest album entitled Live 95, which includes one of my favorites. You got Mickey Fax, who I had a chance to meet and uh, check out at um, the Kung Fu. Uh, was it Necktie Kung Fu? Kung Fu Necktie. Yes, Kung Fu that's necktie. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was so dope. And I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad awesome. you continue to work with him. I actually follow him now since on uh, IG. And uh, he he's 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 a um, he's, he's a beast, a sword, man. man. He is a beast. I love him a lot. He's so inspiring, you know? So yeah, I love that dude. Yeah. Kadish flow on there. And um, if I'm correct, I could be wrong. Was that the announcer from the NBA jam who did the boom shakalaka message? (laughs) Yes, it was. (laughs) How in the whole Hades did you find him? (laughs) Man, I just thought there's no better way to start off this record than having one of the voices of my childhood. And this might be spoiling a little bit, but his name is Tim Kitzrow and he's available for bookings. Like the dude has a legendary voice and he has a website and he's like, yo, you could book me, like get me to say some things, tell me what to say, if it sounds good or whatever. Oh, it's like, ridiculous. I'll do it. And uh, so he records people's like voicemail messages and stuff. And I was like, oh man, well, this is perfect. This is the way to start this record off with my man. So uh, so I was really happy to do that. I was Didn't big miss a on beat either. That was, he said that just <laughs> like you. he did in that game too. <laughs> right. The minute I saw that, I was like, the minute I heard that, I was like, no, is that yeah, really man. him? 
he's he's amazing he was super cool he gave me like four different versions and you know different different verbiage just like whatever you like let me know and i was like oh this is great i want to use all of them you know <laughs> like he was, he's so good man yeah he killed it i wanted it to invoke the the feelings of the 90s you know mm-hmm. for sure i wanted that album to feel like the 90s and uh and nba jam is such a big part of it oh huge mm-hmm. insanely huge like I hate to put you on this point, and I don't know if you're gonna to want to even want to answer this, but where do you rank this album with the with the others? No. <laughs> well, that's a tough question, but honestly, man, I think I really love this album. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, but to be fair, <laughs> I, I rank these albums in based on kind of what they are and what they were to me at the moment and how they were created. Okay, so, cool. <laughs> a full length album is like to me i only say i have like 10 of those mm-hmm. like there's not a lot i've done a lot of like mixtapes eps right. special releases that don't count toward the album that right. i that i think about so this one i think i think it's a classic i think this album is so good but i, I was very deliberate in what i was trying to do and what i wasn't trying to do right so i was not trying to reinvent the wheel mm-hmm. on this record i was not trying to create something that that was you know, like make up a new flow or a new style or a new this. It was, it right. was very much a, a dedication to a moment in time, the 90s, and uh, a time that was very, very influential to me. Yeah. And so for that, I think I knocked it out of the park. Now, I think the rhyme, I think the concepts are better on uh, Random 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that album's more personal, more, more, uh, I guess, maybe... I don't want to say like commercially acceptable, but maybe like there's some more songs that I feel would right that get a crowd going. Like I still play infinite lives to this day. I still yeah. play OP and those records. There's not a, <laughs> there's not an infinite lives or an OP on this on line 95 on purpose. Right. You know, like I wasn't trying to do that. So um, I still think that random is my favorite album. Um, uh, the two hands up album with young RJ, I think is an absolute classic, but yeah. also doesn't touch in those those same ways. There's no like big moment of anthem single, you know. Yeah. So I was trying my best to uh, to me. I put this at the top. This is top three Mega Ran albums. That's gotcha. what I say. It is awesome. Mm-hmm. I do love it. I also love the other version of Church that you did too in here. Oh, that was, well, that, was that is dope. on. Thank you. That's on extra credit, which came out in 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that one is, uh, and that was like a cool like man, just the weird things that happened in my life where I just happened to run into Cisco from Drew Hill, right. who, t- who tells me he's a fan of mine. And I'm like, what, you know, like, how does that happen? And, um, and he's like, yeah, man, Again, you, you, just, you answered it earlier, earlier yeah. on. <laughs> you don't know who's listening, man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's how it went. And he was just like, dude, I really like, I love your stuff. I play, I play dream master for my kid when I go, when he goes to sleep. And I was like, what? You know, he's like, yeah, man, like, I really love your stuff. And I'm like, get out of here. And so I was with a friend who was like, well, you got to let him hear the new thing you're working on. And I was like, stop, stop, stop. Don't don't say that. You know, like, I hate to do that. Like, I don't push my friends to, like, collaborate right. with me. Like, let's, my let's work. Let's collab. Here's my, here's my business card. I'm like, no, 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 no. And uh, she's like, you got to let him hear that church. You got to let him hear it. And I mm-hmm. was like, Shh, like, I don't want to be that guy. And he was like, well, what I got to hear? I got to hear church. Let me hear it. And she's like, all right, here is my ringtone. And she pulls out her phone and she plays it. 
And he's like listening. And he's like, yo, this is dope. This is dope. <laughs> and I was like, really? And, then, uh, <laughs> and she was like, well, you know, only thing that'd be better is if y'all y'all collab and did a remix. Mm-hmm. And, and he was like, she will say less. And I'm like, what is happening right now? <laughs> and, uh, and that's how I went down, man. Like, yeah, just just friendship. What's happening and- is that good things happen to good people. And Thank you. when you say when you when stuff like that happens, I don't take I don't I, I take focus on that. Like even stuff that had that I've been, you know, had the opportunity to do, especially just in the last year or so. I mean, just not just, mm-hmm. you know, being on here with you, um, getting to work with you, but also like, you know, work on repop and getting those opportunities and all the stuff mm-hmm. and doing all that. Like that just doesn't happen for a reason. <laughs> Yeah, you're absolutely right. This stuff happens because you worked hard because you deserve it. And that's that's a part of that's something that I've always had to tell myself. And it takes a while for me to everybody. Really con- it happens. It happens to the best we all got to do it. You know, that imposter syndrome, man, that's real. Yeah. And so you're like, man, do I really deserve this or did I just like luck my way? Did I trip my way into this? Did yeah. I, you know, did I just con somebody into this? You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's like, nah, man, you deserve it because you're good at what you do or you work hard and you show up and mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're, you're thorough. And so you have to really tell yourself that, you know, and convince yourself that you are good enough. I mean, and, anybody um, who's taken psychology mm-hmm. will tell you that like, that's one of the things like self-efficacy methods that you need to do. Like you need to sit down because we, you are a great example of that. Um, I'd rather you do, mm. you know, make you an example to me, but you're a great <laughs> example in a sense that you're always on the go, but you don't have enough time to stop. And when you do, you don't think about that, especially because you're on a roll and you think you're not doing enough or anything like that. Well, you did one of the biggest self-efficacy methods in creating your own memoir, which will remind you forever in a day of what you've done to this point. So if you ever <laughs> do feel like that, and everybody's human, they will feel like that every so often. If you're not doing enough or things are not as going your way, you got to go. That will re-energize you. And I love that. And just for people who, you know, have been through what you've been through, it would be like a other, you know, way to relate to that as well. I mean, this what you've done, I think what you probably don't understand or hope you understand is that this memoir has done more than what you expected it to do. Wow. Thank you. And and trust me when I tell you, um, I can't be the only one who, who really thought that or felt that after reading it from there. Thank so, you, man. Thank definitely. you. I, I hear that and it, it never gets old to me. It's not lost on me. You know, I don't Good. want you to think I'm like, oh, yeah, I hear that every day. Like, no, man, people have hit me up from all over the world telling me that they've been able to relate to these stories, mm-hmm. which is insane to me. I'm like, how? Like, these are very specific Philly things. And they're like, nah, man, it's sometimes, you know, all around the world is the same song. And a lot of people have have similar relatable moments and they're just very happy that I've told the story. And so and I'm like, cool. wow, yeah. for that reason, I'm glad that I've told the story too. So, so glad to, to be able to, to be that close to people where they can share that with me, you know? Yeah. So I got three more questions for you, but like, as always, man, I so honored to have you on the show and just have you as a part of every day of ACMG in my life and everything. So, you know, right. thank, thank you, you so much. Always a great opportunity. No problem, man. Thank you. So we continue on to albums. You're also a part of a new compilation album that uh, one of my favorite promotions right now, All Elite Wrestling, is coming out with called Who We Are. Can you talk about the album and your contributions in it? Okay, so this is actually the first time I've been able to talk. It's so funny that when you work with wrestling promotions, Mm -hmm. everything's a big secret. 
until it's not, you know what I mean? It's like, right. don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. And then a dirt sheet pops up. It has the exact same information that they just mm-hmm. told you. Don't tell anybody. I know. Which and by the like, way, before I even say anything, you know, they're advertising revolution right now. And guess whose song is being um, promoted on there. Oh shoot. Would it be mine? Oh, it would be yours. I'm almost you know, as if they're making it an official annual. <laughs> oh, I love that. I never know when that's going to happen. So I it's just watch really... uh, before I got on with you, I was watching uh, the uh, episode of Dark uh, Elevation last night uh, from last night that I missed. And uh, they advertised Revolution coming up, but they used the same uh, title song that you uh, put together from the first time around. So it may be an annual thing now. Wow. I'm the honored to be. But you just revving it up is just. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. I'm so honored to be a part of their it's the, uh, the yeah. story and a, and a company like this. That's, you know, that's on the come up that one, I think is before I get to that question, it's just I love that they're so connected to the community, you know, in that in a way that we've really never seen in a major wrestling company where like Absolutely. if the community talks and they want something to happen, they do their best to make it happen. They listen. I love that that they listen. Sometimes I feel like they listen a little too much. It's like sometimes you got to be a little bit ahead of it. Like if somebody <laughs> just on Twitter says you suck, like you don't need to respond to them and get them, you know, kicked I think off we Twitter. need to understand the the power or the or the lack thereof of the vocal minority when it comes to social media. Yeah. Like the Internet's not real when it comes to social <laughs> media. Like and I had to really understand that. And it's actually it was wrestling that showed me that. Yeah. Now, uh, a roundabout way to get into your question. Um, the a couple of years ago, the first thing I did about wrestling was the Matt Mania albums. Yeah. And um, and we had a uh, what culture shout out to what culture. They were nice enough to like premiere one of my songs every week. Yeah. It was we called it Monday Night Ran and they mm-hmm. would put up a new song and it was the NWO song or it was Brock Lesnar song or whatever. Yeah. And then the comments, they would trash these songs. I mean, yo, this sounds like if Brock Lesnar was in impact. What this music would sound like, like, yo, this sounds like what this person would sound like if they were an impact, like right. everyone just makes these really cruel jokes and just like getting their jokes off. And I laugh at them if it's funny, you know, but like this sucks. Rap is trash. This is garbage. Rap sucks. Rap is crap, <laughs> blah, 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 you know, and then what culture like a WrestleMania weekend was like, hey, we're having an event. We want you to come by and, you know, set up a merch table, hang out, maybe sign some autographs. And I was like, sign some autographs. Like your, your fans hate me. Like, what do you mean? And they were like, oh, you're looking at the comments. Oh, that's not real. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and like, they, they had to tell me that like, no, man, like the same people who say Roman Reigns sucks, you know, when, when he came through the, came through the ring, would try to get him the bump fist with him, or, you know, or, or touch I'll him give on you the shoulder. Example. You know, the Cody Rhodes situation Cody right Rhodes, now. Same thing. I, I just went to, um, I, you know, we hear about the, we hear it online with the internet pretentiously act like they hate him. Mm-hmm. But if you go to an event, a live event, Cody greets everybody at the door. Mm, there wow. were lines so long because he's taking pictures and shaking hands. And like, these are the, like, <laughs> these look like the same amount of people and quantity <laughs> that will be, you know, crapping on them online. Yeah, it's the same amazing. people that's going to boo them and diss them. Like, it's not real. You right. know what I mean? So I had to really understand that. And when they told me that, they're like, yeah, because they get hundreds of thousands of hits and hundreds of, you know, negative comments. And they're like, yes. no, that's not real. Like, the people who show up don't <laughs> aren't these people. Like, these people don't even exist. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they almost don't exist uh, because they never show their face. And if they are in person with you, they're going to sh- they're going to show you love. And that's exactly what happened. Okay. They all showed love every time I went, you know, to uh, 
hanging out every time I was, um, mm -hmm. you know, they would come up, shake my hand, ask for autographs. Oh man, your stuff is great. I loved all of your songs. And I'm like, really? <laughs> Wait, y'all the same people who, who like, you know, crapping on it, you know? So unbelievable, man. Yeah, man. It's, it's not real. So the, for, the, as soon as you get through that, you know, then you understand. And so that brings me to this project. Yeah. There's a ton of artists on this project. And I, and I love that, you know, a lot of them are getting their first, I think, bit of, kind of like exposure yeah. on this of this magnitude yeah you know what i'm saying and so because of that um a lot of these folks aren't necessarily used to that yeah. you know what i'm saying so they're not always used to getting the uh, you know people looking at them making a comment so a lot of people are reading this stuff and being like getting upset by it like oh man people are dissing the blah 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 they're dissing me they're dissing my music they haven't even heard it yet blah blah, blah. Yeah. and i'm like yo it's it's the it's the internet it's what they do. Look, if I had, if I had like, if I reacted to the internet, the way it, you know, pretends to be, I would be in, I would be in some like really deep mental trouble right now. But I've realized that like what happens online and the way sometimes I get treated to is mm -hmm. different from what I get treated. If I'm, if I'm in an area live or whatever, I'm actually interacting with those same people. It's mm -hmm. just like you said, it, it's, it's pretentious as hell. <laughs> exactly. So the album is incredible because it's, um, it's proceeds are going towards the Bootsy Collins Foundation. Um, so it's all for charity. It's a, a celebration of excellence. And when I got hit up to do it, uh, Mikey Ruckus said, hey, yo, I want the uh, the people who are involved with this, like you and other folks, to take full control. Like, I'm not going to make a beat for you or tell you who to talk about or whatever. Like, no, I want this to be created by, inspired by, powered by, black artists you know what i'm saying so i'm not going to stand in the way on any so of this that. is so. there's not just excellence this is black excellence that's going to be represented <laughs> absolutely like and so AEW. when you see <laughs> you know what i'm saying like wwe would never you know what i'm saying like it's in, unfortunate uh, it really is unfortunate like like they they'll they'll treat it like titus o'neill right now. <laughs> exactly you know what i'm saying like it's it's been incredible to be a part of this you know what i'm saying and i'm seeing the you know, the, the, the response online, everybody's like, Oh, wow, this, this, this is a great idea. Like, how do you, how do you boo this? Like, how do, how can you possibly hate on this when this is something that literally any wrestling fan, especially of color has been asking for like, yo, recognize me, see me, you know, like give opportunities, look us. out, like, you know yes. what I'm saying? And so, but now people are like, well, does this mean a black person is going to get a push? Does this mean we're going to get a black champion? And it's like, yo, it's a young company. You know, it's, there's so many Thank other you. questions that happen with that. It's like, come on, who's ready? Do you understand like, you that really, this has only been around they, for three years? Yeah, this is so young. Do you want? Do you really want them to just hot shot uh, Dante Martin to world champion like it right now? So well, for like other places like TNA, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just right now, just because. Like, all right, here we go, world champion. You're like, what? You know what this, I mean? Like, come we on, live you got to work your way. Society, man, it's, it's just this short attention society is it, it, it's boggling because. Every this this world where we only you know express ourselves in 240 characters now, I guess it's mm -hmm. just always about what we can do now and not the slow build. Mm -hmm. I grew up on a slow build. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm patient. You know, I don't mind. I don't mind it. I didn't mind it when like Dusty Rose took like a few years just to get to that title run. <laughs> exactly. Like nobody's nobody's into the slow build anymore. Oh, so. Uh, but yeah, and, and you get this wait and see. I think this is going to be great. And um, I think people are going to like this 
for sure. And um comes out February 18th uh on CD and the the proceeds will go to charity and then there'll be a digital release after that. So I'm getting it all. <laughs> yeah, I, I ordered one myself just so I get the free poster. I just look, I mean, honestly, you know, as a wrestling fan myself, AEW has done so much in terms of really empathizing with their target audience, really looking out for their target and, and not just, you know, their target audience consists of the younger de- demographic, the LGBTQ, the black community, the Asian mm-hmm. community. I mean, like they just, they're trying to grab as much possible and do the absolute polar opposite of what every other promotion, including WWE has done. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate it. The effort that has been put into this uh, since day mm-hmm. one, I just, I love it. And I think people are just there. There are people who are, who definitely get it and understand it and appreciate it. And there are other people who still under, appreciate it, but choose to want to go be contrarian about it yeah. by going the other direction. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But I'm haters, glad that you are. A part of that. But I'm, I'm just very, I'm, I'm honored. Like I really am. I'm, I'm yeah. so happy. It is dope. And it, it just, it, again, it's a testament to everything that you've done. And I really, like I said, I appreciate your road. Your road has been all inspiring. Your journey has been inspiring. I am happy because I feel like I get a rub off, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> uh, you know, a rub. I should say that doesn't sound right. But I say in the same fashion that I like, say, like, you know, meeting Molly Flanagan or, or just, you know, even mm-hmm. Stan Lee, for God's sake, it, it feels that vibe. Mm-hmm. But in a more personal level, because, you know, we Philly and mm-hmm. you've been through the same thing. It just, it inspires me to keep going, yep. you know, regardless. So I thank you for your road and taking on that road. <laughs> oh, I say this man. every single time we talk, but I can't stress it enough. <laughs> mm, thank you. <laughs> so with that said, I got one last question and then we can hit you with the plugs. Cause I know you got tons of them, but <laughs> when it's all said and done, man, like, what, what do you want people to recognize most about your life and uh, legacy? Well, I just want people to know that, you know, I was just a regular old guy who just this, just got a irregular call and a regular idea and just decided to just make the most of it. You know, that's really what it was like. And, and I want people to know that they can do the same, you know, just work hard, you know, continue to innovate, you know, just strive for excellence and, and, you know, and, and it's easy it is to go and do what they do and sound like they sound. And, you know, it's it's a lot more fulfilling to do it your own way, you know, and to stand out for sure. Agreed. Absolutely. And what a way to end this whole entire interview. Megaran, thank you nice. so much, man. Just awesome. Uh, like I said, just a, a pleasure to get a chance to have your, your um, awesome, awesome intro <laughs> to my show every week. Oh, talk time live. It is just dope as hell. <laughs> Thank you. I'm honored to be there, man. Thank My you. Jack of Spades theme music. <laughs> Every hero needs his theme music. Every hero needs a theme music, bro. <laughs> so, much, and, and shout out to K Murdoch as well, because he, you know, you guys are a great tag team. You guys are, you guys are the FTR. <laughs> ah, wow thank you Shout Brain busting the scene all around with y'all beasts man this is good <laughs> that's what's up thank you <laughs> so without further ado please let us know let your fans know let the listeners know let the watchers know where they can find you oh man just go hit me at megaran.com uh you get music at megaranmusic.com um i'm on twitch three days a week or more twitch.tv slash megaran and um Instagram as well at Mega Ran and pretty much just throw in Mega Ran onto your Google machine, not <laughs> Meg Ryan. And uh and you'll find me, I guarantee. <laughs> awesome. 
So again, thanks again, Matt. You've been the best. And I look forward to seeing what you got going next. Cause you're definitely probably going to have something going on next. Oh yeah. There's always some, man, I can't even talk about what's next. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, like, like three days after interview. this interview, just something's going to pop up as, as it never fell. That's kind of how it does, man. It's, <laughs> it's really weird. Uh, but yeah, like it, stuff just happens fast, but again, I'm under a lot of NDAs. So I just, I, I wait. That's a good problem to have. Yeah, I wait till stuff gets announced. You mess it up. (laughs) Yep, yep. I can't can't do it. You know, like I was I was tight lipped about this album, and then like I saw it everywhere. Apparently, like Mm -hmm. Mark Henry just leaked it in an interview. He probably was the one that was supposed to. (laughs) Yeah, like I'm somebody probably. Mark Henry comes off like that dude, and like he he just dude, he wasn't supposed (laughs) to anything. Oh my bad. Uh, You ain't gonna do nothing. Like, yeah, what you gonna do? Sorry, <laughs> my bad. But yeah, like that's always how it goes in wrestling. It's like don't say anything, and then somebody mm-hmm. says something. That's how right. they say. Tell a friend, tell a phone, tell a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, thanks for being on the show. And like again, uh, keep doing it, keep inspiring, keep being the best that you can be, and uh, we keep representing. <laughs> Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, folks. I hope you enjoyed this very special episode of Talk Time Live exclusive with myself and the one and only Raheem Jarbo, aka Mega Ran. On behalf of myself and Mega himself, all I got to say is learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG presents Talk Time Live. We are out of here. Take care and be safe, everybody. Peace. This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality.